Welcome to Team Luke from Minds Podcast. On this show, our mission is to help families just like yours. We'll bring you inspiring stories from brain injury survivors, advice from health professionals, and much more to help make the recovery journey a little easier. If you or anyone you know has a, suffered from a brain injury, this show is for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. Uh, I'm Jared Samuels. And I'm with Delaney, Delaney Workman. <laughs> and uh, today we're talking to <laughs> Kirsten White, who is an SLPA and currently a consultant for Toby Dynavox. Uh, so welcome, uh, Kirsten. I'm Kirsten. I'm from Toby Dynavox. All right. So can you tell us your story? How did you become interested in speech-language pathology? Okay, so I actually grew up in the therapy world my entire life. Uh, my mom is a pediatric physical therapist, and then my babysitter growing up has a daughter with Angelman syndrome. So that's kind of just my normal. Um, just never really knew anything different. And then when I was 12, I started being, uh, I started babysitting, and then I was like the special needs babysitter of my town. And so it just kind of became what I always did. And then in seventh grade, I just decided that I either wanted to be a speech path or an OT. And I kind of was like, ooh, I don't like all those weird, like, shaving cream things and textures and all this stuff. And so I was like, a speech is really more my style. And I love neurology and all that, all that, that whole neuro side of it. So it's kind of how I ended up in the speech world. So kind of my story. Awesome. Um, so can you tell us about your experience at a pediatric clinic? Yeah. So... I started off um, right after college. I worked at a pediatric clinic back in um, New England, uh, just doing a mentorship and kind of getting some experience. And then when I moved to Texas, I worked at a pediatric clinic in Temple, Texas. And um, I got to work with occupational therapy and um, physical therapy, as well as some behavioral therapists that would come in and out. Um, I worked three days in the clinic and then two days in home health. And I got to see a range of kids from the kids that couldn't save their S's to the super complex kids that were medically fragile and um, traumatic brain injuries, cerebral palsy, like Down syndrome, all the different things, the whole scale of it. And then I got to do the last two years I was there. I worked uh, about a day and a half in a school for autism. So you got to do a lot of intensive um intense kids with some behavioral issues and all that. So I got to do a lot with AAC and all that in the school district and well in the school system that they kind of had there. So it's pretty cool. Interesting. And uh, for those that don't know, uh, like clearly myself, uh, what is AAC? Okay. I know. I was like, that's a hard thing. I'll bring it up and then I'll come back to it. So <laughs> it's augmentative and alternative communication. So it encompasses um, communication methods used to supplement or replace speech. So for people who can't communicate naturally, it's the things we use to help us communicate better. So it can be anything from low tech to high tech, which I'll go into after. And it's all different systems. It can be aided and unaided. So aided is going to be your voice output system. So if there's no language, you could hit buttons and it kind of talks for you. Or there's unaided, which is like sign language and facial expressions, gestures, which so many of us use it all the time. We like talk with our hands or we're like stop and we like kind of like make faces or like you kind of look at your best friend or your boyfriend or something, you're kind of like make a face and like they just kind of get what you're saying without even saying anything. So we use it all the time. We just don't always think about it when we use it. So what are, is that an example of a, a low tech option or is that just like, what are the- That's low just an 
unaided. So that oh, would be okay. just kind this of our natural. I know. And then, but then high tech and low tech. So your low tech is going to be kind of like a picture exchange communication system. So there's some books that you can just have pictures of items for kids who are trying to figure out what communication is like the whole basis of it. So you give something to get something. I need to give you a picture of this book. I want to get the book. So understanding that back and forth piece of communication um so there's flip books with symbols there's picture exchange systems there's single switches that are just like a cause and effect so it can just say more when you hit it or it's very simple basic buttons um there's communication boards so a lot of schools will have just a board or um have you seen the playgrounds that have like the big huge boards at them now and they just have like the symbols all over them so even kids at the playground can go up and touch different symbols to help communicate so they're all low tech in different ways like that um there's actually a family uh that mom wanted the kid to have his communication system everywhere so she ironed on some pictures to his pillowcase and the shower curtain so no matter where he was he had communication to kind of touch and that's just all different low tech options oh wow um yeah, that's pretty cool. Like everywhere yeah, cool. and anywhere he was. Um, <laughs> a lot of schools I go into, they have them on a key ring and they're just a little couple square pictures, um, kind of like note card size that they can kind of go through to like get some quick communication, just low tech that are easy and always with you. And then high tech can is a whole range of extra things, but usually they're a voice output system. So hmm. there's a speech generating piece behind it there's multiple different companies and then there's many different access methods. So there's stuff, simple ones from touch devices. So you see a lot of iPad apps. We all kind of, you see all different kinds of things like ones that you can type a message or just single buttons or a yes and a no, but you hit it and it speaks for you. Um, there's also switch scanning. So you can have like a single switch or two switches, which we can, people will always ask me more questions about that later, but um you can have like a flick switch so if somebody only has access of their foot he could the kid could kick with his foot and access his device or on the side of their head and you can hit with your head on the side or your chin and you can have switches no matter where you are on your body and you could access your device and it kind of reads the um different symbols to you so you can select what you want to select and then you can when you hit your switch, it reads it and says it, and that's what you've spoken with your device, which is another access you can do, which is cool. Um, and then there's eye gaze, which a lot of people um, always have questions about, but it's basically two dual cameras that reflect off your retinas and whatever you look at, and it's set to your eye specifically and how they read. So whatever you look at, it reflects you hold for a certain amount of time, and then it says that word. So you go oh. from, you can go, yeah, it's kind of cool. And people have no idea how it works. So as you learn it and you can go from one button on the page just to learn that cause and effect. So if I look at this and I get something to two buttons all the way to 74, 84, 90 buttons on a page of all different language. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. So it's a big range of things. And I think a big isn't piece. It, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to ask, isn't the IDs? technology pretty expensive it is and um most insurances do cover devices mm -hmm. um i know in texas specifically they're 
covered by most primary insurances. There's a few that will give you a hard time. Um, secondary mm -hmm. insurances usually cover it as well. Some require a 30-day trial. I usually recommend a trial anyways because in 45 minutes of me coming in the first time, you can't always see what a kid can do. And it, it's not really fair to give them like a judgment off of 45 minutes versus 30 days of kind of, and I'm a new person and they're like, who are you and what are you doing? <laughs> so I love that. And then also I think something people don't always remember is a child doesn't have to prove competency on a low tech device to trial a high tech device. And I think that was a very old school way of thinking, but a lot of people go back to that of, oh, you have to prove you can do PECs or this or a single switch to then move to a high tech. And so many times, especially with a lot of traumatic brain injury kids, you don't always have access of other methods. So if you go right to a high tech and that's okay, like there's so much research that shows you, you don't have to prove competency on low tech to go to high tech. So just remembering that too. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's really good to know. Mm -hmm. Really good. Um, when did you start working with these devices and have you, have these always been a part of your work? Um, okay. So when I did my internship right after college, I worked with this really cool SLP who she's probably now been an SLP for like 35 years. But at the time she was like, okay, I need you to go learn technology. Cause she was like, it scares me. <laughs> um, and then mm -hmm. I'll teach you how to implement devices into therapy. I was like, okay, deal. And so I went to Boston Children's. They have a whole AAC center uh, in Massachusetts. And I got to do some trainings on a couple different programs. And then I went and taught her how to like do the technology side of it. And then I got to learn how to implement it in treatment with her, which was great experience. And so then oh. when I moved to Texas, yeah, it was a really cool, just like different way of, okay, I can learn that technology piece. And then you can teach me how to actually use it with a kid and what to do and kind of how to, bring it in language wise and not to just get it stuck into the like, I want whatever, but like really like using it for functional communication, which was awesome. And then when I moved to Texas, I got to use it. Not every kid. Um, and looking back on it now, I'm like, Ooh, I wish I had tried it with this kid or that kid when I, now that I know so much more about it, but I still got to use it quite a bit um, in a pediatric, in the pediatric clinic I worked in for years. Mm -hmm. I use it a lot because you see different kids with all different access that you don't see it all day, every day when you're working in a pediatric clinic, but you see it often. And now I see it all day, every day. That's all I do, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's been. So I have a question off of that. Yeah. yeah. What would be an instance you would use in AAC? And for like a child. Say that um, last part again. You just um, what, would be instance, what would be an instance that you would use like a high-tech AAC with pediatric patient? Um, so a kid, so I'll give you a couple examples. So first kid with autism, he maybe has labeling. So he's like, Oh, I had one kid always like to label different things, but he doesn't really have functional communication. So if I say juice, well, what do you want to do with the juice? Do you want to drink the juice? Do you hate the juice? Do you like the juice? I have no idea. So he doesn't mm -hmm. have functional communication. He just has words. So to build upon that, giving him a device, it can't hurt his language. It can only help him learn more natural language. There's a ton of research on that. And I think that's a huge myth of like, well, I don't want this to prevent my kid from talking. 
it really like there's a lot of research that on all these studies it's never hurt the language it's either helped them just get the language they could with a device or given them more natural language hmm. so that's awesome. a great example and kids who had language and then if there was an accident or a traumatic brain injury gaining language again mm -hmm. um there's a lot of kids with down syndrome a lot of times they don't have the um muscle tone to be able to form the words correctly so it's a lot of like hard to understand speech so just for clarity a lot of times those kids will use them those are my kind of good examples of hopefully that answered that question yeah okay so how did you begin working for toby so while working at my previous job um one of my coworkers, she worked with the uh, Fort Worth rep and one day we were just chatting and she was like, okay, I was talking to Allison, who's the Fort Worth girl. She was like, and the Austin position's open and I think this is something you need to go apply for. And she's like, I don't want you to leave me, but I think this is like your dream job. Like you get to still do like that speech side of things, but you get to go do AAC, which is what you love. Um, she was like, it's kind of a perfect fit. Like you're passionate about AAC. It's what you like to do. Like it, it's a lot of like all those kind of worlds colliding of the things you love. And so she's like, here's Allison's number, call her, talk to her. And I was like, okay. So I called Allison and I talked to her and she was like, I think you'd be a really good fit for this. And she gave me my now boss's number and I called her and talked to her and it just kind of went from there <laughs> and here I am. So that was like two and a half years ago. And um, it's fun because I still get to actually go back to my old job for my new job. So, oh. or for my job now. So, I still, <laughs> isn't that fun? I still yeah. get to see some of the kids I used to treat in my job now. So, I'm oh, like, ooh, I've cool. known you forever. <laughs> yeah. You get to see them yeah. kind of progress. Yeah, you do. And you get to be like, okay, well, here's something that works for this kid, like behaviorally, like here, I can help you with this. And like, here's how to set it up better. And here's how to do this and that. And it's fun to get to do some oh, of that cool. stuff. Yeah. So um, in your Team Luke video, you talked about uh, multimodal, I think I said that right, mm -hmm. communication. Um, how often yes. do you see this? Well, first of all, what is it? And then how often do you so, see it? Um, it's using many different modes of communication. So it's uh, maybe a combination of vocalizations, um, word approximations. So if you get a kid who's um, apraxic and can't really formulate the words yet, um, it, it's some of those along with gestures and body language, facial expressions, along with an AAC system. Um, you actually see it all the time. So I did a little girl the other day who has an eye gaze device, but also has a very functional um, yes and no with her body language. So she's three and can answer her yes and no with her body language, but also has an eye gaze device for other words. So you kind of go along with all different things. There's some really cool YouTube videos that show a great approach of different things, um, of like in school especially, because your device isn't always in front of you. Yes, it should always be in front of you, but this is reality. So <laughs> we have to work with what we have. Um, so being able to be like, okay, what letter is it? Or like doing some partner assisted scanning of like, okay, is it something this, is it, do you want more of this kind of going through and being able to work with that person to find out the best answer of um, figuring out their gestures. A lot of people have a very functional yes and no, whether it's looking up and looking down for yes and no, or a single blink and a double blink. 
um, even just some of those things. So multimodal is kind of what you see for most people who have AAC systems. They usually have a secondary mode of communication as well. Yeah, I think um, Luke, uh, Luke Siegel, this is his team Luke. Yeah. <laughs> I think he yeah. moved his tongue <laughs> for yes yeah. or no. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Luke in probably like a good year, year and a half. I think the last time we had the conference in person was it last night? Oh yeah, that was that was last year. Yeah, I was like, I think I saw Tim and Luke then. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, <that's laughs> seen cool. him in a while. So you mentioned yeah. a, a couple stories. What are some of your favorite success stories, either in general or using these devices? Oh, I have probably more than I could count. I see the craziest things um, in my job. So I think one of my favorite from working in clinic was I had a little boy who has a laundry list of diagnoses. Um, and he was born at 24 weeks. And so when I first started seeing him, he just had like an ah sound. And that was the only thing he could say. And so we got him a device and he used like an iPad with an app. Um, very like a uh, more complex language system. He So he was able to answer functional questions, build full sentences, tell you about himself, all of these things. And he actually started talking in full sentences and actually talks completely in full sentences and mostly under, like understandable at this point. Has it as a backup still, but he talks on his own now. So that's one of my uh -huh. favorites. Yeah. He's super cute, <laughs> um, but I mean, some of my little ones, the little three-year-old I saw the other day, so she totally gets it and is super sassy, and she has CP, and it has an eye gaze device, and she will go into like the arguing topic, there's a topic, and when you open it up, and one of the buttons is like, are you crazy? How could you do that to me? And so <laughs> she'll just start doing that, and she's... <laughs> she finds it funny and it's like she's still a stubborn little three-year-old and it's just getting some of those giving her the power to like be that social communicator changes it completely I'm not just asking her what she wants she's like playing silly with me just like her little sister does you know mm. so I think that's some of my favorite stories yeah well that's really cool I could tell you stories all day that's probably bad <laughs> <laughs> You see some cool stuff in um, my job, though. When do you know a child needs an AAC device, and what tips would you give to parents who would be worried about the price or other factors? Um, well, I mean, if your kid's nonverbal, I think that's a that's a given one. And then, like I kind of started touched on before, if your kid just has words but not like functional language, so can point and label, but we always see that as like, oh, I, he has words, he can talk. And it's like, but wait, he can't tell you about it. He can't tell you, he can say mama, but he can't say mama, I love you. Or like those things, why not give that kid that opportunity to grow his language more than just one single word? It's the same with like, if your kid has a yes and no, because he has a single blinker, double blink, what it would we would want to say more than yes and no in our entire lives right like or a single switch of like giving him a more but more what like we decide that he wants more juice or more chocolate but like then we're deciding what words they get versus like giving them a robust language system of them deciding and some kids may only get to 16 25 words but 16 to 25 words is a whole lot more than one or two words that we decide they get so just figuring out what that looks like for your kid is kind of a i always say like it never hurts to look into it 
it can only help. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's worth trying always. <laughs> and then you said cost wise and stuff like prices are, you see the price of them and you're like, yes. Oh my goodness. Insurance co- covers for the most part. Um, private insurance is most people have deductibles. So a lot of times I have a lot of families wait till October, November of the year. Cause you, most of our families with intense needs, you've met a lot of your deductible by the end of the year. So it's a good time to look into that. Um, always having us check. So if we look at the insurance card, um, we can look and see what's covered, how much the deductible would be, all of those things. And I know there's a lot of um, uh, grant programs that will either cover the deductible or help with the device. There's so many of those programs available. I don't know what it's like in each state, but I know here in Texas, like we have a state telephone access program that we all pay $2 on our phone bill every month. And it goes into this pool of funds to give everyone access to a telephone and they pay for devices. So different states have different programs. I don't know what they look like in every state. You'd have to ask like each family would have Mm -hmm. to check with their local consultant and stuff, but there's usually a way to figure it out. It's just figuring it out. So it's Um, not as scary as it seems, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Uh, What are your top three recommendations for someone with a brain injury or a caregiver of someone with a brain injury? Okay, my first one is find a good therapist. So speech therapy is a big field. And you have therapists that specialize in feeding and therapists that specialize in articulation. Find a therapist that's really good at AAC because you don't want that to be something that holds your kid back. Um, So that's something I would never say. And if you're having a hard time finding a therapist that's good at it, call your local consultant, whether it's Toby Denevox or PRC or whoever, call us. Because usually we know who the therapists are that are good at what they do because we work with them all the time. So that's my number one. Um, Number two, it's always worth trying. If you're like, well, my kid only can move his left toe. Okay, let's figure it out. Like, that's part of our job is to brainstorm and two to three brains is always better than one on it. Um, why not try? And you don't know until you try and, and you don't know how much your kid has access to. Um, Mm -hmm. along with that, a lot of times with a traumatic brain injury, you see cortical visual impairments, um, and nystagmus. And I always get, Oh, my kid has a CVI. He can't use this. And it's like, well, you can, there's adjustments. As long as your retinas are attached, um, try it. I have a lot of kids with CVI that use eye gaze devices and we just make um, high contrast symbols and black backgrounds and different colors. And we do a lot of things and we try it. So that's the second one. The third one would be if you tried it, maybe soon after injury or when they were two or whatever and it didn't work, try it again. Give it time. But try it again later. Don't just say one and done. We tried it. didn't work. Try it later. Maybe different therapist, maybe different device. Different, different companies have different devices that work different for each kid. Some kids work with one language system and don't work with another language system. Um, and that's something that can be scary. So always worth trying a second time if the first time didn't work. So those are my three big ones. And I know that's a lot of information, but my last one, 
I know. Oh, I was like, my I was last like, okay. one is all, no, 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 no. My last one along with that is always ask questions. Like we are always like an email away and I've had plenty of parents. I had a mom after the last session kind of email me from North Carolina. She's like, Hey, can you answer this question for me? Cause no one's been able to. And we just kind of chatted. Like it was a brainstorm and I didn't have like, I don't think there was an answer to necessarily the question she had, but it was the brainstorm of question, like answer kind of thing. So always ask the questions. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Team Luke Hope for Minds podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website, teamlukehopeforminds.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. See you all next time.